Hey everyone, welcome back to Stay Curious, a podcast where we want to help you create diversity in thought, but not division in community, where we want to um, help people learn how to think instead of what to think, and most of all, where me and John want to hang out and just talk about what we want to talk about sometimes. Amen, brother. (laughs) I am Matt Fisher. I'm the creative director here at Hill City Church, where we are recording this podcast, and I'm here with our lead pastor, John Wagler. Wags, how you doing this week, man? I'm doing excellent. It's been a really great week. Yeah? And Lacey's preaching on Sunday, so... Nice. Relaxing. Yeah, you get get a day off. That's awesome. Um, It's been a good week for our clan as well. Um, and I just want to thank everyone. I, I texted you last night, um, because somebody complimented our podcast and Chick-fil-A and it was like somebody I, I didn't recognize from my day-to-day life, which is, um, awesome <laughs> and, and gives me a little confidence boost. So thanks to everybody for, um, just all the kind words and the continued emails and the great feedback. Um, and I think there's been some really good conversations, hopefully among you all out there, not just between us and, and you or between John and I. Um, so yeah, we're super excited, um, to continue the podcast. We do want to bring up, this is not what we're going to talk about this week, but we do want to preview what we will be talking about and wanted to kind of mention that a lot of you have written in or text us or just talk to us about whether or not we're going to talk about what's going on in Alabama and Georgia as it pertains to legislation regarding abortion. Um, we are going to talk about it. Um, not today. Uh, we are going to lead up to that. And I think we're going to put a little extra sort of programming power behind that um, for a couple of different reasons. First off, John and I are, uh, you know, dudes. And uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Surprising for many. Um, we are we are sort of straight white dudes. And so we always want to be conscious of that, that there are plenty of I mean, literally, some would joke that the whole podcasting media is medium is just like, hey, if you want to know what straight white dudes think, just tune into a podcast. But we want to be sensitive to that, and we think it's super important for any conversation involving women, gay folks, um, minorities of any kind, that there be representation. Even if John and I are are so like, you know, pro civil rights or pro gay rights or like pro whatever, it's still important to have representation there um, to talk about it. Um, so for the conversation um, around abortion, um, we want to make sure that there are women not just present, but like highlighted. We want to make sure that those voices are elevated on both sides of the issue. So we are going to do a multi-part series. John, can you kind of lay out how we're thinking right now that we're going to do that? Yeah. So the first episode that we'll, you know, we'll record next week at some point, but we'll, uh, we'll be setting the table. Like you and I will just kind of bring up some things and maybe some different perspectives and, uh, banter about a little bit about it. And then what we're going to do is we're going to have someone from the pro-choice side of things, uh, share her thoughts. And, uh, as she's involved, Uh, with this, you know, and so many different levels, which is, you know, I think fascinating too. It'd be so cool to just hear how she like helps um, folks like get through um, different scenarios in life and helps them kind of, you know, emotionally and everything um, with that. And then we'll have another person on, another woman on who um, has actually had um, five abortions herself Mm -hmm. and uh, comes from the pro-life side of things. And so we're going to hear from both people that will hopefully expand 
not only just you and I, as we sit, are able to sit there with them, but um, expand all of our listeners' perspectives on this topic and to be able to honestly talk about it intelligently as well and appreciate the nuances of everything too uh, involved in the conversation because obviously it's such a big deal right now and so we want to honor that in the right way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, for those of you who are sort of familiar with the ongoing discussion about like how do we use privilege how do we acknowledge our privilege john you've talked in in um you know messages at church about privilege white privilege privilege of class and race um and you know so we are going to have an episode an intro episode where john and i talk um but i think the purpose of that is to establish what our voices are on the matter and what our opinion not opinions but like perspectives are on the matter so that we can then um use that to bolster the voices of others um, because we do recognize our our privilege um, again as men um, so just you know buckle up for that don't we would hope that you wouldn't listen to the first episode of that series and get frustrated with something and then jump off the train um, or listen to the you know the woman with a pro-choice perspective and get frustrated and and jump off or you know the pro-life side um uh, episode and, and get frustrated and jump off. We really, really hope that we've engendered enough um, care and trust with our audience just in these last couple of episodes that you all would be willing to, you know, ride the ride to its end with us. Um, and we thank you for that opportunity. That's so cool. Thank you for tuning in and thank you for being open to that. So, but that's not what we're talking about nope, today. Not this time. Let's <laughs> get to what we're talking about. It's going to seem relative. Everything's going to seem relatively lighthearted, right? you know. Like now, um, yeah. Today, I wanted to ask a question um, of you, John, about um, something that is culturally relevant uh, now and probably forever, and something that is a part especially for adults, I think, a part of all of our lives in one way or the other. And that's sort of the idea uh, or, or the treatment in your life of alcohol. Um, so I have my own strong sort of perspective and opinions on the use and dis- distribution of alcohol in life um, as it applies not just to like my sort of biblical life viewpoint, but also um, how that sort of trickulates into my social and economic viewpoints. But... I want to know for you, you're, you're somebody who has a really unique perspective to me. You have, um, you, you have definitely partied a little bit, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, and you're very honest about that. So you have used, used alcohol in a way that maybe is like not super responsible in your life. Um, and now you still choose to drink, um, even as, you know, like the, I'm using air quotes that visual medium, right? <laughs> Audio medium. Even as the head pastor of like a church, you still choose to partake um, occasionally, but in a much more responsible and thoughtful way. Um, so I just want to know what is your journey with that? And sort of what is your, if somebody were to come to you and be like, oh, pastors shouldn't drink, where, where do you kind of stand on that? Yeah. Well, from the personal side, I did. I, you know, um, the first time I ever drank was when I was 18 years old. So it's not like I did it super early on I actually grew up in a church atmosphere where it was severely frowned upon and to the point now I don't remember if someone actually said this but it is what I felt like if you drank you went to hell like you know so I'm not claiming anyone actually said that but that was my feeling and so at my first drink 
uh, my senior year of, of high school. So actually, no, I take the back. I was 17. So uh, peach schnapps. <laughs> so, nice. Thank yeah. you for being honest. Yeah. So it was my first drink. And, um, and then from there, you know, I went to college and then just started drinking a lot. And then drank a lot after college and got to the point where, uh, you know, it was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday thing. And, um, I mean, honestly, in order for me to even get a buzz, I would have to do, I would do like eight or nine shots to even like a decent buzz, you Mm -hmm. know? And so, and then would drink more from there. And so it was a, it was a thing, you know? And, uh, then when I got my life turned around and started investing back in Jesus and my faith and, Part of my testimony is that uh, I had to quit two things, and it was alcohol and um, girls. Mm. And so, but honestly, the drinking part wasn't hard. I I I gave up drinking for a long time, and um, but then kind of re-entered once I was like in a good spot. I, I decided, you know what? I, I think it's okay to have a drink here and there. And so, um. I didn't see anything biblically that told me not to, you know, so that was part of it too. So, you know, from a theological side, I'm like, well, I I understand where the argument comes from to not drink, but really it's about getting drunk. And then for, for me, from the personal side, I was in a space where I was like, no, I can, I can literally have one drink and be fine mm-hmm. and not care. And so I never felt this pull to want to drink seven drinks or eight mm-hmm. drinks or anything um, I, there would be moments, I don't have these moments anymore, but for several years there, there were moments where if I had two, I could feel in myself, I wanted eight mm-hmm. and, but I, I was in a good enough spot to be like, I'm done, you know? And so I was able to manage all of that. And, and quite frankly, as I've never like crossed the line, you know, since, I mean, I mean, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. So um, and even now, I but I'll be honest too, Matt. Like I drink less now than I did a few years ago. Uh, I still enjoy a glass of wine. Um, I'm done with beer. I'm over beer. Um, but I I enjoy a glass of wine, and I really enjoy an old fashioned here and there. Mm-hmm. And so, and I enjoy it with my friends or with Lacey. And uh, so that's where it comes from. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Um, what about you? What is, what is like your? I know we come from different perspectives on that, but yeah. what about you for like? Your little personal history with Yeah, it. yeah. So I have never drank. Uh, well, I say that, um, but I can already hear my childhood friend, Rodrigo, calling me out because he was there when I drank the one time I drank. <laughs> I, like, took uh, some Red Dog beer, like, into the bathroom in my parents' house when I was in seventh grade and drank two of them to see what it felt like. Um, but but really, I've never. That was literally the only time I've ever drank alcohol. Um, and uh, I... Um, come from a family history. My mom and dad um, drink, uh, but are not, you know, alcoholism or abuse of any kind was not a part of the landscape growing up. My um, older brother uh, struggles with addiction, um, to, and it, it was pretty hardcore. It was like hard drugs, heroin and stuff like that. Um, and uh, there's definitely um, stories of alcoholism in our family. Um, so there's a part of me that was just always kind of like, it seems like there's a monster down there and I want to kind of keep him where he's at. Mm. I don't want to know, you know, like I don't, I'd rather not. Um, when I was in eighth grade, and so I always kind of had that sense. I grew up in Daytona beach, Florida. So it's a very, 
I mean, it's Daytona Beach, Florida. Like, whatever you think, that's there you go. Um, I grew up right outside of Daytona Beach and Ormond Beach, but the culture there, um, you know, is a beach party sort of culture. Um, so I always, um, I, people started drinking and using drugs around me pretty early, seventh grade, eighth grade. Um, and around eighth grade, I, um, started to get into punk rock, um, just because I felt like an outcast and it was something that really spoke to me. And there's sort of a stream of that called straight edge. Um, and some people are familiar with that word. It means different things to different people, which I totally get. But to me, what it meant was, um, like too punk to get drunk, like, oh, so it's punk to like do drugs and like, you're trying to be different, but all of the different kids do this. This was like the post Nirvana. It was like, cool again to like get wasted and do drugs. And my thought was just like, well, if we don't want to be like, you know, like the jocks and the rich kids and the so on and so forth, but we do the exact same stuff that they do for fun. Like, what's the point? So I got really into that. Um, and just kind of saw it as like a form of rebellion to not, you know, drink. And then when I was 16, I think 16 or 17 years old, I was at a punk show and I was handed a kind of like a pamphlet or like a zine, sort of like a handmade booklet. Um, and it, it was basically like a detailed study of, um, the effects of alcohol on indigenous peoples and poor people. Um, and it was really well done. I wish I still had it. Um, I'm sure the research exists in like a more consumable, less like, you know, some weird anarchist like hands it to you at a punk show way. Um, but it, it was all of this really socioeconomic sort of research about like alcohol being, one of the primary weapons used against um, Aboriginal people in Australia, Native American people here in the States. And you can still see that today, like alcoholism is the number one issue on a lot of reservations. Um, And then also just sort of the old adage is like, if you go, you know, you're in the ghetto when there's a, you know, there's a liquor store on every corner. Um, So it was kind of like an emotional piece as a kid, uh, you know, as a young kid. And then there was, sort of a cultural piece in in punk and straight edge and then there the final sort of like cap on it was this wider social political socio-political like stance on it and that just like sealed it um and and so i sort of committed to this is a thing i'll never do um and i've i've changed a lot i think that the mixture of sort of the forcefulness and anger that is um that drives stuff like punk rock and hardcore pushed me into a place where I was angrily, um, anti-alcohol. Um, and that was very alienating being that judgmental and angry about it. Uh, because I just at some point found out it's the older you get, um, the harder it is to find friends that are in your very specific little niche. And, you know, I know I felt a strong way about it, but I also knew I didn't want to like die alone. So I had to start expanding my thoughts, um, and ended up marrying, um, a girl who is not straight edge and and who drinks. Um, and that was very challenging for me, but we worked through it. Um, so, uh, now I'm sort of at a place where I'm still, I still consider myself straight edge. I don't drink. Um, I don't, I'm very finicky. Like I'm, I take medication for like, uh, emotional stuff, but I'm very finicky about like how much I take, uh, when I take it, like what I take. Um, but I'm definitely at more of a place where I'm starting to get to a place where it's a like understanding each person's different viewpoint on it Mm -hmm. and allowing that to exist 
coming from a place of like, no, if you use alcohol, you're contributing to this like system of oppression. And so we can't ever see eye to eye. Um, but you said something, so that was long winded. You knew no, it was going to be. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, so you said something that I think is interesting and important during your um, story, which is when you quit, you didn't find it hard. Yeah. You were, it just didn't. It was like, yeah, this is makes sense to me. I think that's an important perspective because there we tend to get into this binary thinking of like all bad drinking is alcoholism. Mm-hmm. But alcoholism is a different, almost a totally different thing than just like irresponsible drinking. Um, did you uh, do you feel like when you were drinking a lot um, and then you sort of quit? Did it give you a new perspective when you would talk to somebody who's like, I'm an alcoholic? And if not, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, yes, because I think that there's such a big difference. So when someone says they can't live without a drink or they can't like you or hear someone say like, well, I can't ever be myself without drinking or I can't ever, you know, that's when you realize it's a sickness Mm. and that that it's overcome somebody, you know. And I think once I saw the difference between recreational drinking and what I did was more than recreational, but like, you know, that side to like when someone's an alcoholic, there's a big separation point. It actually gave me not only perspective, but a lot of grace for people mm-hmm. in that because I, because you can see the hurt and the pain and the loss and the realization of what it's done to their lives. And, and so it's like so much, there that uh it it really changed how I used to think about it like I I don't know like I like for me it was like man just quit drinking right you know like just stop and and so now for me that was part of my story but I will say this I I did spend about a year after that and it showed me that alcohol had a little bit bigger grip on me than I realized even though I was able to quit actually drinking I would still go to like hangouts with people and stuff like that um, that were friends and everything. That I, there was a ton of drinking going on that I would still carry around a solo cup with water in it hmm. because I was still attached to something that the alcohol did. And uh, now, Grant, I could still not drink, but I still needed the social part or something. It was some kind of attachment that it had driven in me. And so I realized at that point, Wow, that was there. And then when I realized that about myself, then I also realized that, man, if someone's so gripped by it to the level where they cannot, like, not drink, you know, like they can't handle not drinking, I, was, that, I just, it gave me like such a sensitive and gracious heart towards them because, like, I can't imagine what that is actually like. Yeah. And I think that brings up a good point of like, people should realize that there are different levels of unhealthy use of alcohol. Like alcoholism is a chemical thing um, on some level, but there's also that, yeah, that sort of social stigma that gets wrapped around that you just tie up your, you can not be an alcoholic and still tie your identity in with a drink. Totally. Um, Well, that's actually, sorry to interrupt you. But like I, even now when I talk to people about drinking, they'll ask me all the time, is drinking alcohol wrong? And I'll say, theologically, it's really hard to, you, you can easily prove you can't get drunk, but to say you can't drink, if you're just using scripture, it's 
pretty darn hard to prove your point because there's so many other scriptures that say, have a glass of wine. I mean, shoot, Jesus' first miracle, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> turning water into wine. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of elements like that. But I do always bring this up. I always say to people, if you can't go to a party or a hangout with friends or you can't go with your buddies on a trip and and you can't comfortably not drink mm. and you feel this pressure, this need, then drinking has more of a hold on you than you realize. You might not be a full-blown alcoholic, but it has a hold on you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't realize that it has a hold on you, um, it's going to hurt you. It's going to cause pain in your life. And, and so... Whenever I hear someone's like, well, whenever I'm with this group of friends, like, I just feel like a little bit of pressure or I just feel like when I'm there, I just need to have a drink. Then I always, then my, I am on the side, like I'll probably flip to like where you are. Like I'll, I'll, I'll immediately flip and be like, you can't drink. Mm -hmm. Like you do not drink. Well, you just said the Bible says, no, you, you don't drink. Mm -hmm. Like that's not okay. And because of what can, can cause it. So I think for me, it's theologically, uh, Yes, I am in the moderation camp, and yes, I am. I don't believe it's theologically wrong, um, but in the, I think every person needs to then say, yeah, but what does this mean for me? Mm. Like, do I do I need to have a drink, or am I just doing this because, like, you know what? I enjoy having a glass of wine with Lacey on a date. Mm-hmm. You know, I do. Um, I enjoy having an old fashioned with some of my friends, and like we have great conversations and everything, and it stops at one, maybe two old fashions, and. We go on our way and and that's it, you know, and so, but I don't ever, but I can also be in those scenarios and not drink and it, and it doesn't affect me at all to not. So so I I think it's just, there's a, there's a personal end to that, that people have to deal with too. So I hear what you're saying and that, I think that's an awesome perspective. Um, I think it's a harder to swallow perspective than mine which mine is just like well this is a system i'm not comfortable with so i'm removing myself from the equation sorry i just got a text message and it sounds like super mario just ran into our room um and uh something i've often said is like my non-participation makes it impossible for me to talk to anybody about it because it's like i don't know why i don't know why like um i'm there's this like unspoken rule that if you're struggling with drinking or whatever, like just me being a non-drinker makes the conversation feel judgmental, even if I'm not being judgmental. So I think it's important for people who who are on your sort of level of being okay with moderation, having those hard conversations with people because you drink. There's no, you know, it's like, um, it would be like, I'm trying to think of a good analogy. You know, if somebody who's vegan wants to have a, conversation with you about the sourcing of your meat you automatically feel judged because you know what they want (laughs) is for you to not eat animal products whereas like if somebody who's like a sustainability farmer is like no seriously you should quit buying tyson chicken you're gonna listen to them because you know that they you know you don't feel judged you just feel convicted i guess yeah um which is an interesting thing i don't fully understand that but um but <laughs> I always try to think about, like, what are the things that I do that affect my body? Like, caffeine is the big one, right? And there are a lot of people who sort of ascribe to straight edge that are, like, also no caffeine, which I think is crazy and very cool. Um, but I just think, like, would I drink coffee if it wasn't for the caffeine? Because, like, coffee, your first taste of coffee, you're like, this is gross. Give me a soda. Mm-hmm. Or, like, give me water again. Like, yeah. nobody, most people don't have their first drink of coffee and are like, yes, this is delicious. Um 
So if you don't drink to get drunk or even like buzzed, wh- why not just have a soda? Or like, you <laughs> sure. know, like what what yeah. is it? Why drink? I've worked in bars. I've taken out a lot of bar trash. I've poured a lot of beers and it stinks. Um, uh, you know, like what is it? What's the attraction if not to relax or get a buzz? Yeah. You know, I, well, it's funny cause like I don't drink coffee. Right. right. At yeah. All. You don't. That's true. At all. And, and I don't drink soda. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I maybe have four sodas a year, mm-hmm. maybe. And honestly for me, I do enjoy the taste. Like when I have like a good glass of wine, it just, it just, I don't know, it just tastes so dang good, mm-hmm. you know? And when I have like a really good old fashioned, I genuinely enjoy the taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I have a not so good glass of wine, like I, I'll finish it cause I paid for it, but I don't enjoy it. Like, so I regret the decision, you know, if that makes sense too. So for me, I really do enjoy the taste. It's not about taking the edge off or anything, though I would say like a glass of wine is like a calming thing. And, and there are, I mean, you can, there's research towards health benefits of a glass of wine, right? So, so there is an element to that where, yeah, it's nice to like take the edge off in a way that. Now, I've heard people argue like, oh, well, you're manipulating your brain and your body, you know, like the chemicals in your body. Blah, blah, blah. And I mean, you can do that, but you can also make the same argument about drinking coffee and oh, yeah. about so many other things, mm-hmm. too. And so I just honestly, it has more to do with like I enjoy, uh, you know, Lacey always talks about whenever we go out to eat, I'm more of like I want the food aspect. Do you, you know, like mm-hmm. I would I would go to a not so well done restaurant, but man, if they got a killer burger or something like that i'm all in whereas Lacey would be now she likes good food but she wants the ambiance mm. and like the environment and the feeling and all that stuff to me with like a glass of wine it brings in the ambiance and the feeling i don't know it just like sets a different tone and feel to our night mm. and uh but it it does but we have like plenty of nights where we don't have anything mm. you know so it's not even like a we don't even do it all the time it's just I don't know. For me, that's what it is. It's more of like a taste and kind of feel of the night. Like tonight, it's a Friday when we're recording this and we're going to go to the VMFA tonight and we're going to take our kids and we're going to hang out on the on the lawn and throw the Frisbee around and I'll have a glass of wine, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like the experience part too. Right. So speaking of experience, I want to talk a little bit about context um, and kind of get your opinion. Because again, my you know, whole viewpoint for me has always been just like remove, remove myself from the equation. Um, and as a result of that, I don't generate, I've gotten a little better about it in the last couple of years, but my go-to, my default is like, um, if we're having people over and I go grocery shopping, I don't buy alcohol, even though I know everybody wants a beer. Cause I'm just like, but what if somebody's, what if the one person, if 10 people are coming over and we kind of know that like the one person like will have too many beers or whatever, or it'll cause one person to stumble. Um, then I'm just like, what's the point? I mean, come on, we can have, I guess my thing is like, we can have fun without it. Right. And it's like, reality is not, that's not always reality. And usually it makes me look like a massive fun hater, which I get. And I'm fine with that. Um, but you know, so I won't, or like our wedding was dry, even though Jenny drinks because it's just like, but you know, uncle so-and-so is going to have too many. So like why, you know, why, or, you know, somebody's going to this, that, or the other thing. So what is your perspective for, I think 
probably for Christians specifically, because Christians are called, you know, not to cause others to stumble. Um, But I think for non-Christians too, like nobody, no good person wants to see their friend, you know, stumble off a a path that, you know, leads to betterment. Um, What's your perspective on like, how do we, for those of you who um, are into moderation, like how do you use that in a context of also supporting others being moderate? Does that make sense? It does. I, you know, uh, one of the things I said by mistake in a sermon recently, it just like came out on a Sunday was I, I, uh, said that wisdom is sacred. Mm. And I, when I said it, I was like, "Mm, I kind of like that, Mm -hmm. you know, but the more I thought about it, it's true because when it comes to even this whole idea of drinking and not drinking and everything else, like there's a wisdom component to this. And so when I say wisdom is sacred, you're you're treating every moment with an individual as a sacred moment. And so I think when you talk about alcohol, it, there is there has to be wisdom involved in when you do, when you don't, being aware of who's coming. And if if you don't know, the wise choice is to not do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're coming into a scenario like, gosh, I don't know what this is going to be like. Should I have a drink? Should I not? Like who's going to be there? Then just don't, hmm. you know, and... I think that's the wise thing to do. I think if you're having a party at your house and you're aware of someone that's going to be there that struggles with this and drinks too much and everything else, you know, the wise thing to do there can either be one of two things, either have it a dry, you know, party or whatever, or have a conversation with the person and be like, we are having wine and, and beer here tonight. I realize it's a thing for you. It is not to tempt you. It is not to do anything, but I'm going to check on you. I'm going to, you know, are you okay with that? Like, and, and even having like those kinds of conversations because why? Cause it's a sacred relationship that you have. Like every interaction should be sacred if we mm-hmm. believe, you know, in God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I think when that comes into play, like that's part of the wisdom. So there are some wedding receptions where I will have a glass of wine. There are some that I don't. Uh, there are scenarios where I feel totally fine having a drink. And then there are some because maybe who's there and they, maybe they don't know me well enough or whatever. I don't. If I'm on a date with Lacey, I'll be honest, I don't care what anybody thinks. Mm-hmm. And, and and when someone's like, someone did say this to me one time, like, I saw you drinking wine with, with Lacey. Are, like, what if someone else was in there in that restaurant and they were eating and they looked over and they said, well, Wags is drinking, so I'm going to go get hammered now. And I'm like, they've got way more issues than seeing me drink. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Their stumbling has nothing to do with me, mm. you know? And so, so I think when you, even when you talk about making someone stumble, that, even that passage has more to do with like, you are actively making somebody do something, you know? And so by either putting them in a rough scenario or putting them in a situation where you know they're going to fail or whatever, but it's not like if a one-off where someone's like, I saw Wags and Lacey in the corner of that restaurant as I was walking by, and man, they they each had a had a glass of wine. You know, if like you can't live your life that way, and so um, I just think there's a wisdom, and you got to contextualize it every time. If there have been scenarios, uh, my last baseball reunion um, that we had, a um, bunch of guys were out. And uh, I'll tell you the difference between two of the times. So the time before that, everyone got together and I didn't touch an ounce of alcohol. 
And, and so, because it was, a, it was the first time I'd seen a lot of those guys and they didn't know where I was at and all those things. And I knew that a lot of them were going to get drunk and, and everything. So I spent the whole night essentially, you know, alcohol is a truth serum. Mm-hmm. So like I spent the whole night and I'm like, these dudes are going to be like tipsy at least. And so I'm just going to talk about faith the whole night and they're going to open up. And so it was like a really great, it had some really incredible conversations and I didn't touch an ounce of alcohol. The, this last go around though, they're all coming up to me and be like, how's the church? How's this? You know, and everything. And so I had a glass of wine with them. Or, no, sorry, it was old fashioned. Mm-hmm. I had an old fashioned with them and it was nothing, you know? And so, and, and they're all in different places too. They weren't drinking as much and everything, but so I think even like scenario to scenario is different and you just have to be willing to take a step back. And, and I would say this, if anyone's younger, like in college age listening to this, don't be the person that's always like, well, I'm going to be fine. Like I'll be the sober one in this raging party and I'll have this massive impact on them. And you will for a portion. So if that party goes till two, you will till about nine thirty, ten o'clock after that it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And so again, part of it's like contextualizing all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so when you say after nine thirty, it doesn't matter. Is it that you won't have an impact or that you'll give in at some point? Well, it depends on the person. Like if someone, like if you're at a party, let's say like you ain't giving in no matter what. Right. I think you still run up to a certain point where you're going to think to yourself, man, everyone's here is just drunk and it doesn't matter what I say or what I do. Like, this is essentially a waste of time at, at this point, mm-hmm. <laughs> as long as everyone, unless you're there to make sure everyone gets home safe, right. you know, like that's a different story. But I think if you're going there with the thought, I'm going to impact these people, you know, whatever. And so I think that there comes a line or it comes a time where it just like, it crosses a line where it's just like, this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just here for no reason. But so when you talk about getting the guy, you know, being the person that gets everyone home safe, I think that's an important thing to talk about too. Sure. Cause I'm, you know, I've been uh, because I have uh, abstained um, from that particular thing. I've I'm often put in the place where I'm expected to be that person, yeah. and sometimes I've been sinfully resistant to that. So been judgmental and angry, and been like, "Hey, my job is not to be your DD. Like that's not why I don't drink." And sometimes I've found myself almost in like an enabling role where it's like, "Well, so if I'm always here to like flip everyone over so they don't puke." and drown or drive them home, then they're just going to keep acting this way because they know I'm here to babysit them. I've been in both scenarios. So I want to ask, like, again, maybe for Christians um, specifically, like, how do you, what's your word for somebody who finds themselves in that position? Like, always the DD, always the, like, at what point does it become, you know, I'm just babysitting these people and they need to, you know, get out of it. Yeah, again, I think this is the wisdom piece coming back in because I think it's a like if your your friends are really truly your friends, then in the sober moments, like you should be able to have conversations and say, I'll be honest, I'm like y'all are using me to just be a DD and it's annoying. Mm-hmm. You know, and cuz there is a difference between like, hey, we're all in this together and like, yep, they drank a little bit too much tonight. I'm glad I'm here to help them, you know, that kind of thing for or there's a difference between that and like well, there's Matt. He's our DD. Let's go, boys. You know, like there's just a there's just a different feel there. And you have to wonder, like, how much do people really care about your relationship with them if they're just using you so they can just get hammered and do whatever the heck they want to do, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that, like, that's part that people have to 
have conversations with and everything else. And so, and again, you know, it's interesting because like you can go person to person, friend to friend, and on this topic, it can be different friend to friend. Mm. You know, like I'm, I'm like scrolling through even right now in my head. So I'm like, there's a chunk of my friends where it does not matter if we have a drink. Mm-hmm. It's good. Uh, and, and then there's a couple of people that I know, um, that we like, and that I wouldn't have a drink with because I'm like, you know, this has been a problem for their life. Mm. You know? So like, it's almost like you go, you, there's no blanket statement with this. So even when someone's like, Oh, I'm all for moderation. I'm like, I mean, I'm in that camp obviously, but that's not, I'm not there all the time, mm. you know? And so you, you can be, cause like, you're just like, no, like, cause no matter what you're fine. Right. <laughs> right. You know? So, right. um, and and I respect that. And, and I just think that people have to, I will say this, theologically, you can't prove, like the Bible does not say do not drink. Mm-hmm. So you can't prove it theologically. Mm-hmm. And so it certainly talks about drunkenness and everything else. But this is what I'm saying that like you have to contextualize, you have to use wisdom and every relationship and every scenario is going to be different. You can't go in if you're if you're in the moderation camp. You can't go in and every scenario thinking I handle everything the same way every time. You know, I'm going to have my two drinks and I'm out because guess what? Maybe that's not the right decision, not even just you, but just for the people that you're around. And so it's important to think through it that way. Yeah, I've heard it said, so coming back to the theological thing, I've kind of traversed that path. Like, do I have a theological defense for, like, no, no one should drink ever? And I thought about it a lot. And I, Yeah, I mean, I don't think necessarily there is a theological defense for that. There's definitely a theological defense for drunkenness being a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all over the place. I think where things get gray is, so what is drunk? Sure. Because um, an example I've heard someone use before is, like, well, drunk was different in Jesus's time because you weren't going to wrap your donkey around a pole when you left the party, (laughs) you know, like it was, you could, everyone was walking home. Um, now that doesn't mean you still couldn't go home and be abusive to your family or make bad sexual decisions or whatever after too much wine. Um, but it's uh, the idea that, and, and we do this with every, especially the, the like, um, morality stuff in the Bible. It's like, well, what did that mean then versus what did that mean now, right? That's everything from diet to sexuality to politics to whatever. But it, for alcohol, it's kind of like I've heard, well, wine was like had a lower alcohol content back then um, and they weren't drinking. You know, there's verses in Proverbs about brown, uh, you know, liquor versus wine and and all of this other stuff and and like i said i've kind of fallen on like yeah it's not really defensible but um how do we determine um just like you and i have had conversations about like when we talk about um uh managing sexuality in a in a gospel driven way sometimes one of the things we get hooked up on is like well when they say sex what does that mean like what did it mean then what does it mean now when they say drunk is that um you make a different you would talk differently you make different decisions you tell a joke you wouldn't normally tell like drunk doesn't always mean blackout drunk right Mm -hmm. somebody comes to you and they're just struggling with it what is you know where's the determiner is it i can't drive because you can like you could get pulled over and, and blow an illegal amount, but still like not be super drunk. You know, it's sure. like, and I think the driving has a big 
a big part yes. of it. But um, wh- where, how do you sort of, again, I don't traverse the gray area. I just kind of live in the black and white a little bit and try not to be judgmental as best I can. How do you traverse that gray area as somebody who responsibly drinks? I would say if you can't tell the difference, then you should never touch an ounce of alcohol. Because if you can't tell the difference between having a drink socially or two drinks socially and it doesn't impact you or it just takes the edge off a little bit, you know, whatever. If you can't tell the difference between that desire and then getting drunk, then you shouldn't drink at all. Like you should just not touch it. Air on the side of abstinence. Yeah, because like I get it. Like people have been like, oh my gosh. Like, I mean, I've heard grown adults do this, like, gone to wedding reception, like, came out of it, like, oh my gosh, like, man, I was drunk, and mm. I didn't even, like, realize it, and I'm like, well, I mean, you knew what you were doing in the midst of it, like, that's not how alcohol works, it's not like you're all of a sudden, man, I'm shocked, I'm like, you did go six deep, mm-hmm. you know, like, you, you knew you were going six deep, and so, uh, or however many that is, or you knew the alcohol content, or, you know, that that's in, because they're not all the same, and all that stuff, but I think, like, if you can't, there's a difference between someone who made a mistake. Let's say, you know, they got carried away one night and they realize that, you know, there's all grace and forgiveness for that. But like, there's a difference between someone who does that and someone who's like periodic, like every like couple of weeks or, or every few times they go out, they're like, oh my gosh, I just had a little too much again. I'm like, if you're having that, if you've had that happen to you like more than once or so, then you don't understand the line for yourself. And so you just shouldn't drink. Hmm. Or you should just say, I'm literally only having one and I'm done. Hmm. You know, and if you think to yourself, well, if I have one, I really do want a second one. Like if, even if that's a, a thing, like I'm in the, even though I'm in the moderation camp, if if you have one and you feel like it makes you want to have two or three, then I would say then, then don't drink. Hmm. So like, that's my, that's my perspective on it. But I have one last thought um, or question. Um, so let's say the scenario is like we're going camping. So out in the middle of the woods, no cars, no temptation to make bad uh, sleeping arrangement decisions, we'll say. <laughs> um, you know, it's just you and like your two best friends and you're going camping and you're in the moderation camp. But you know that they like want to get drunk and you know they're not going to fight you know they're not going to sleep with one another. You know they're not. You know they're not going to get alcohol poisoning. They're not going to get in a car and drive. What is the, from your perspective, maybe biblically or spiritually, what is is there still an argument for like, yeah, but you still shouldn't get super drunk. Yeah, I think the argument is when you look at it within the context of scripture, they're not saying like, don't get drunk at just parties. Or don't get drunk when you're going to make a bad decision. That there's a reason that they're saying like don't get drunk, and so there's got to there's got to be a, a another layer to it that says if you're willing and you're desiring to get drunk, there's a reason that desire is there, and that reason is not to tie into the Holy Spirit. Mm. <laughs> that reason is not like there's there's something at play there that's pushing you to get drunk, that's unhealthy and that's taking you away from God. And so I would say even if you are in the best scenario possible where literally nothing could go wrong in decisions as you're kind of you're pointing out, I would say you still don't do it because that's not that's not Christ like behavior. Mm -hmm. It's not you're not going to walk away being like, man, that was so awesome when 
the three of us, man, I know only two of us got hammered, but it was so great, wasn't it? Like, like it just, that's not a thing. Like, there, there's not a spiritual connection there. And so, I just, I don't think there's any scenario that justifies it. Hmm. Man, this makes me excited for the inevitable episode where we talk about weed. We got to talk about <laughs> weed. Um, well, this was great. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I feel like this is really maybe the first time in my life I've ever really gotten to pick somebody's brain about this. Well, that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and it's very different than like, I think the other episodes we did, you and I kind of like, we were almost sort of recreating conversations we'd had before, but we've yeah. never had this conversation. No, it's true. Yeah, <laughs> this was raw. Yeah, it was right super here. raw. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, thanks everybody um, for joining us uh, on this episode. If you have suggestions, comments, concerns, um, just want to sort of put in your two cents or ask us a question or suggest um, uh, future topics, uh, you can do that. Just email staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Again, staycurious at hillcityrva.com. Um, if you haven't already, remember to subscribe um, to this show and, and to rate it and review it so that other folks can find out. Thanks, Thank you all for, for sharing it and um, for tuning in. So um, until next time, we hope you guys stay curious and we'll see you then. All right, see you guys.